a little bit dark in this room. Let's turn on the lights. Where's my phone? All right, got my phone. Let's unlock it. Where did I put that app? Oh, there it is. All right, what did I call this room? I don't remember. Uh, probably bedroom. Cool, now which of these lights is going to... Man, this is taking a really long time. Let me just ask Siri. Hey Siri, turn on the lights. Sorry, I don't know who's speaking. I'm Dustin. Can you please turn on the lights? Create a calendar event to turn off the lights? Aw oh, hell, I'll just flip the f switch. Internet. My name is Dustin and this is my HomeKit home and here we look at the smart home with an Apple HomeKit and accessibility focus. In this episode we have a bit of unfortunate news from Chamberlain, we also have a new smart air purifier from SmartMe and we'll look a little bit at the Hue Tap Dial. But before we get into the news I do want to thank everyone who has followed us, who has given us a rating and a review in their favorite podcast app. I'm having a ton of fun making these podcasts and I'm really happy to see that others are enjoying listening to them. So thank you for that. Now, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and follow us in your favorite podcast app. Give us a rating. And if you're feeling like being super generous, give us a review. It is much appreciated. All right, so let's get into the news. This first bit of news came literally seconds before I hit the record button for today's episode, and it's a bit of unfortunate news from Chamberlain. It looks like they have officially decided to drop the production of their MyQ HomeKit bridge for their smart garage door openers. And this is a pretty big hit for the HomeKit space. We don't have a lot of options when it comes to smart garage door openers, so I know a lot of people will be disappointed. Now, The Verge does report that the MyQ HomeKit bridge will continue to work for the foreseeable future, but if you get onto any of the Facebook groups for HomeKit, any of the subreddits, you'll definitely see a trend with users experiencing outages with their MyQ smart garage door controllers. Now, I don't know if those are related, but it could be. Now, I do have a bit of speculation here. So, Chamberlain in the Chamberlain group is part of the Matter Working Group. So, to me, what I'm seeing here is just them discontinuing the production of the HomeKit bridge in an effort to put more of a focus onto something that's going to come out later that will support Matter. But again, kind of like we talked about last week, it is unfortunate that we are seeing more devices become discontinued in HomeKit. But the good thing about it is, is that because it is a HomeKit device, it should continue to work for a little while longer. Now, if you're interested, I'll leave a link to the full Verge article down in the show notes. Moving on to our next bit of news, SmartMe, known for their first-generation P1 smart air purifier, has announced an updated version called, well, the P2. And this one actually seems to have some pretty interesting updates. Most notably is the fact that it is cordless. It actually uses batteries to operate. Now, I personally find this a bit odd. I've never found myself wanting or needing to move an air purifier, but if you find yourself in that situation, this is really the air purifier for you, especially because it's the only one that does so in HomeKit. 
It's also said to have a built-in mood light, which is kind of a nice feature, especially if you have this, say, in a bedroom and you have a motion sensor, maybe if it detects motion, but only at night, it'll set a specific light to a specific brightness. So that's pretty nice. Although I really see this more being used to indicate the air quality levels in the room using the built-in PM2.5 and PM10 air quality sensor. So it looks like the built-in display, which tells you your fan speed, your mode, and your current air quality will be in full color this time, which is a nice touch. Now, unlike the Airversa Purell, which we talked about last week, which works over thread, the SmartMe P2 works over 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi band, which is literally exactly the same as all other air purifiers in HomeKit. Now, as of the time of recording, it doesn't look like we have a release date set quite yet, but I'm sure we'll hear more about this in the near future. And the last thing I wanted to touch on today isn't so much news, but rather we're starting to see the first reviews of the Hue Tap dial come out. Have you guys seen this thing? It looks super cool. So if you're not aware, the original Hue Tap had a really cool feature where you actually used kinetic energy energy to send a Zigbee signal from the switch or the button to your Philips Hue lights. Just kind of magical. It didn't have any batteries at all. Now while this new version looks very similar, it doesn't have that same kinetic energy feature, but rather it uses two AAA batteries. And as you might expect, it has a very similar form factor with its base attaching to the surface wherever you want it. If you want it on a wall or if you want it on a table, it can attach to that surface using screws or double-sided tape and the button or the switch magnetically holds itself in place. This updated version of the Hue Tab has a similar layout to the original with four different controllable buttons. But something that makes it stand out is the fact that it has a rotary dial. So the perimeter of this device actually twists and can be used to dim and brighten lights in an assigned room. And I personally think this is super, super cool. Surprisingly, there haven't been a lot of other manufacturers to come out with a rotary switch, namely Turnsey. You may not have heard of them, but they have their smart dial. Now, this is a Zigbee device which connects to the Turnsey home center and allows you to control things like their smart roller shade drivers and other lighting products that they offer. But unfortunately, this functionality isn't available in HomeKit quite yet, nor in the Turnsey Smart Dial, nor in the Hue Tap Dial. It just isn't something that is set up in the HomeKit framework. But if you have Hue lighting products, this seems like a great addition to your setup. Now, regardless of where you stand with Philips Hue, it's kind of hard to deny that they make some pretty awesome accessories. Now, their lights, on the other hand, are a bit of a different story, but their accessories are pretty solid. And in fact, it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world to consider picking up a Hue Bridge secondhand just for their accessories. 
Now, I haven't picked up one of these new Hue Tap dials quite yet because I can't justify it. I don't really know where I'd put it, and it is a bit on the pricier side, coming in at around 50 or 60 bucks at the time of recording. It does seem like a very solid device, and especially if it's anything like the majority of Hue's other accessories, you can bet it's going to be a pretty solid device. Now, I did say that I couldn't justify picking up the Hue Tap dial quite yet, but if you're interested in seeing a review of the Hue Tap dial from a HomeKit and accessibility perspective, hit us up on social media at MyHomeKitHome, and that might just serve as my justification. Now, throughout our discussion of the new Hue Tap dial, we've used the terms button and switch kind of interchangeably, but they're definitely not created equal, at least in HomeKit. And so that's what I kind of want to talk about today, the value of having physical buttons and switches in your HomeKit home. Now, to get us started, I think it's appropriate to look at the differences in names between these two devices in the HomeKit framework. Switches are typically considered to be hardwired devices, so these are things that are in your wall. Now, these can be just standard on-off switches, they can be dimmer switches, three-way switches, what have you, but the thing that they have in common is that they are hardwired. Now, buttons, on the other hand, are usually wire-free. They may have one actual physical button, but they may have multiple buttons as well. Think of something like the Lutron Caseta switches, switches from Leviton. Um, you've also got some in-wall switches from Acura as well. Wemo also makes a couple of others. So these are just your hardwired switches. On the other side, buttons are wire-free, though they do come in a number of different form factors. It can be a single button, or it can be a controller with multiple buttons. They usually, and I say usually, have the same type of control. So this is a single press, a double press, and a long press that can be used to assign different accessories or scenes to, to control your HomeKit home. So think of something like the Eve button, the Acura wireless mini switch. I know that's a bit confusing. Um, also the Wemo stage scene controller, these sorts of devices. Now both of these types of devices have a very well-deserved place in your HomeKit home. So when I first started out building my HomeKit home, the very first thing I bought was a set of Philips Hue bulbs. And I was super excited to be able to control the color of my lights and dim and brighten them all from my phone and it was fantastic and I, I couldn't be any more excited about that. I was also pretty hyped on being able to just shout out across the room and ask Siri to, to change my lights to every color on the rainbow and turn them on and off and this was fantastic for like three days. But a couple of things started to happen. First, my wife started turning off the switches. So if you have smart bulbs, you'll know that that's something that you can't do. It cuts off the power to the bulb and so it's essentially just turned off so you can't actually use the smart functionality of it. Another thing I noticed is that I don't always have my phone in my hand or in my pocket to be able to control my lights as needed. And if I do have my phone on me, getting to a place where I can actually control the lights usually involves at least three swipes. My phone has to be unlocked. It's just a nightmare and it, it, it's just not something that's sustainable. 
And from the moment that I got my OG HomePod, I started to realize that I really wasn't all that comfortable just shouting out to Siri across the room to do different things. It just wasn't a natural way that I saw interacting with my home. And we all know the trials and tribulations of using Siri to control our smart homes. So then my next idea was, well, I'll just use motion sensors. So I went out and I picked up a whole bunch of Hue motion sensors, which work really well, but not everywhere in your home. They work particularly well in places like bathrooms where you have this controlled space. They also work really well in kitchens, but in rooms like bedrooms and living rooms, motion sensors can pose a bit of an issue. For example, when I first put a motion sensor in my bedroom, I noticed that my lights essentially just stayed on all night because my wife and I would turn over in bed and that would trigger the motion sensor. Although I did have a condition that had the lights set to dim during the night and it didn't really bother us that much, it still was something that was just unnecessary. And imagine sitting down to watch a movie, you've got your refreshments, you're comfortable, and then you reach over to grab the remote and you trigger your motion sensor and all the lights come back on, blinding you. It's just not an experience anybody needs or wants. So at that point, it became very clear to me that buttons and switches needed to be part of my HomeKit home. Now, I personally don't have any hardwired switches in my home. It's not because I can't install them or that I'm not allowed to install them. It's just because really of, of where I live. So I live in Mexico where there are a couple of things that make smart switches just not all that practical. First, rooms tend to not have many outlets in them. So what usually tends to happen is that the light switch has a single outlet in line with the switch. And so if I replaced this switch with a smart switch, it would then effectively just eliminate one of the maybe five outlets that I have available in that room. Now, I could do something clever like chisel out next to the switch, put in a two or three gang box, install a standard full-size receptacle or even a smart outlet, and then install a smart switch. But that's just a lot of work, and it really doesn't seem like it's going to add that much benefit to my smart home. And as I've mentioned in the past, all of the lights, for better or worse, in my home are Philips Hue, so there's that. But buttons, on the other hand, are extremely useful and I use them for all sorts of things throughout my home. And one of the best use cases that I use them for is to really relocate switches that maybe aren't in an ideal position. Let me give you an example. So I don't know why it happened this way, but the electrician who ran all the wiring and installed all of the switches and receptacles in this house just put switches in the weirdest places. We find them behind doors. We find them on opposite walls from doors. They're just in really awkward positions that don't really make any sense. So what I'm able to do with smart buttons is with the smart bulb, I can then have these buttons strategically placed to where it's going to make sense. For example, my living room, it has two exits which go outside. First is to the carport and the other goes to the entrance to the house. Well, 
there is a switch in that room, but it's on an opposite wall. So you would essentially have to walk all the way through the living room just to turn on the lights. But by adding a smart bulb and a button to the side of both of those entry doors, I'm able to more safely enter the room and have all the lights that I need right when I'm there. I also have in that living room the original Hue Tap, which gives me a ton of control over the different lighting scenes that I have in the living room because I do have some Philips Hue light strips installed below the couch, behind the couch, and a variety of other different bulbs from Philips Hue. So it really makes controlling the lighting in that space super helpful. You can also use smart switches and smart buttons together to create three-way, four-way switch scenarios when you don't actually have the wiring for it. So imagine you have a hallway with just a single switch to control the lights. If you install a smart switch there and then install a smart button on the other end of the hallway, you can use automations and conditions to essentially create a three-way switch scenario that will allow you to turn the lights on and off from either end of the hallway. Now, not all HomeKit buttons are created equal, so I wanted to give you guys a couple of smart buttons that you should stay away from, but also some that I think are really, really useful in a smart home in 2022. First, let's get the bad ones out of the way. Now, they're not necessarily bad, but there are some features that make them less desirable than others. And the first one is the Eve button. Not because it's a bad button or it doesn't work or any of these things, but Eve has explicitly said they are going to be updating as much of their lineup as possible to work with Thread. And the Eve button seems to be one of the last holdouts here. Now, I don't have any insider information but I'm relatively sure that we'll see a thread update to the Eve button by year's end. So I would definitely wait if you're considering picking up the Eve button. The second HomeKit button that I recommend you steer clear from is the Wemo Stage Scene Controller. Now I did a more in-depth review, which I'll leave a link to in the show notes, but suffice it to say that there are just some issues with this device that make it really difficult for me to recommend. First of all is the battery life. Now I don't think I talked about this much in the video because I didn't really recognize it at the time, but the battery life of this device is just terrible. I can't tell you how many times I've had to replace the battery in my Wemo stage since having gotten it earlier this year. That's three or four battery changes in eight months. That's not something that should be happening. Now in my review of the Wemo stage, I drew a lot of similarities to the Hue dimmer switch, but one of the things that I noticed there was that the magnets that hold the actual button into the wall plate for the Wemo stage are just ridiculously ineffective. I at least once a day will knock the button off the wall plate and then I have to search around and try to find where it flew off to and it just it takes a lot of time out of my day. I have even used double-sided tape to stick this device to the wall plate. Works out pretty well but it's not ideal. And although it does work over thread and that works pretty well, I can't really recommend the Wemo Stage Scene Controller. 
But now let's look at a couple of buttons that I can recommend. My favorite by far is the Acura Wireless Mini Switch. I know it's not a switch, it's a button. We talked about that already. But this device, it's relatively inexpensive, coming in at around 20 bucks. It is, its design aesthetic is very simple. It doesn't stand out. You can put them just about anywhere and you program them with their single, double, and long press functions to do just about anything in HomeKit. They're blazing fast and they just work. I haven't had any issues whatsoever with these switches. I mean buttons. Another couple of buttons that I can really recommend are the Hue dimmer switch and the Hue tap switch or now the Hue tap dial. So the Hue tap has been discontinued at this point, but I can only imagine that the newer version has been improved. Now, I really like both of these devices because of their flexibility. So with the Hue dimmer switch, it works exceptionally well in the Hue app. So if you have Hue lighting products, you're probably going to want to use it there. The first button has five different scenes that you can toggle through there but it also has dimming and brightening functionalities as well as that off button as well. Now, if you do bring it into HomeKit, you really essentially get four buttons with single, double, and long press actions that can be assigned to each button. So that essentially gives you 12 different actions that you can assign to that switch. I mean button. And obviously we talked earlier about the Hue Tap. I really like the fact that it doesn't require any batteries at all. It has one big button, which makes it pretty obvious that that's going to be the main lighting control for that room. And I have mine in my living room, like I mentioned earlier. It controls, the big button makes the lights in the living room turn to a bright, very cool white, which, you know, just facilitates being able to see things and, and works really well during the day, but also at night if we are trying to, to find something in that room. I also have the three smaller buttons, which in the past I've had them actually lock and unlock my front door, um, but now I've got them set up with different lighting scenes in the living room. But again, that hue tap switch, it's very versatile. When you bring it into HomeKit, you do get single, double, and long press actions on all four of those buttons, making it very similar to the Hue dimmer switch. Now, as an honorable mention here, I do want to talk about the Acura Opal Scene Controller, I think it's called. It is very similar to something like the Wemo Stage Scene Controller or the Hue Dimmer Switch, but this bad boy actually has one, two, three, four, five, six different buttons with three different actions for each button. That's 18 different actions that you can control and set up to automate different accessories and scenes in your home kit home. I use one here in the studio and I have to be honest, this is one of the kind of downfalls and, and downsides of using smart buttons to control your home kit home is that if you have one of these buttons that has multiple buttons and multiple actions for each of those buttons, you're going to forget which buttons do what. And that's just you who probably programmed this button. Imagine others who are using your home who may or may not be as into HomeKit as you are looking at this button and trying to figure out what the hell it actually does. 
And nobody wants to or even should have to draw up a little diagram of what each button does and the different functionalities of it. So while it does have a ton of functionality, it is a bit of overkill, I think, for the vast majority of situations. But it does work extremely well, and it is nice to have a single device that can control just about everything here in my studio. As always, don't forget to check out the show notes where you'll find affiliate links to all of the different products that we talked about during today's show, as well as links to the full news articles that we talked about earlier. There you'll also find a link to our blog over at myhomekithome.com for full written reviews on a ton of different home kit products. You'll also find how-tos, news articles, all sorts of home kit goodness. For even more home kit goodness, don't forget to check us out on our social media at myhomekithome where we regularly update with different discounts that we're able to find on HomeKit products, as well as news and other updates on what we're working on here for the podcast, the YouTube channel, and everything in between. But I think that's a wrap on this episode of the My HomeKit Home Podcast. Thank you for watching till the end, and we'll catch you in the next one. Take care.